Heaven high. Actually, it said it was counting down, and I don't think anybody heard your heaven high because you oh, missed the oh, countdown because you're an idiot. You're an idiot. No wonder we only record this once every two weeks now. I just feel like we haven't got three weeks, one week's, I don't know, worth of the stuff to say. Heaven high. Yeah, because nothing's really been going on in the world in the last year. You... Exactly. The topic today is, what if Meghan Markle's baby isn't black enough? Can I tell you a little secret? No, you may not. I, I, I was disappointed. I think Archie is far too pasty and gingery, and I was disappointed. He needs a tan. He's got those Hewitt jeans, doesn't he? Mm, yeah, that's gone now because it's quite obvious that Harry uh, is his uh, father's son. Because I mean, the, the, you know, the eyes are too close together and the receding hairline. That's... No, you're, you, he, he blatantly and absolutely flat out isn't. He's James Hewitt's son. No, he's not. He looks. He's looking like Prince Philip. Look at his he looks eyes. Nothing like. He looks nothing like. He looks Charles. everything like Charles and Prince Philip. He looks such a uh, Sax Coburg. Stop your nonsense. Here's a weird thing. You. Princess Diana. Yes. If she hadn't done a dead, would be a grandma. Yes, didn't you see the? Um, didn't you see the uh, card that her other children, rather creep, well, not her children, her children's children, creepily sent to her? No, I didn't. They sent no. her a Mother's Day card saying how much they missed Ooh. her granny to, to 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 Granny Diana, which of course because. Uh, they all love their privacy, Kate's uh, PR people, and uh, Instagram dance yeah. everybody. That's right. Because, you know, I love though how they, they, they virtue signal how they're the bad, they're the goodies on both sides, and they're both baddies. I like how um, Prince, apparently Prince Charles Instagram tweeted, oh, just apropos of nothing, a collection of photographs of him near black people. And also, um, uh, uh, Harry on a bicycle, because apparently Harry said, we, oh, I love going cycling with my children, with, with Archie, because I could never do that with my dad. And then suddenly pictures of his, his dad and Harry on bikes appeared. <laughs> I, love, I quite like a passive-aggressive Instagram account. Yeah. I do love the idea that, look, I've been, in the last 200 years, I've been in f- near four different black people. Yes, yes, I, I saw them. Did you see the Fox News guy? Who was we're no, we're doing a great job of not discussing the topic so far, mm. aren't we? Um, did you see the Fox News guy who said, oh, it's "Absolutely ludicrous to say that the Queen's a racist. She ruled over the Commonwealth, and it's mostly full of blooming black people, isn't it?" Yes. Which is the um, I can't be racist. Some of my best slaves are black. She, I think she loves the fuzzy wuzzies. Is underused. Under her, you say? No, I said she loves the fuzzy wuzzies. You're being unfair. I thought you said she loves them under no, her. She, she loves them and she thinks that they're very colourful and cute. And they, she loves to be carried about on a, on a cart. A, <laughs> on a, a sedan. What are they called? Sedan chair. No, there's a better word than that. Commode. No, that's a toilet or a toilet-like film yes, reviewer. as I said, commode. That carry her on a commode. That means that she's always comfortable. I see. Always on the back of Mark uh, mode. Um, do, do you tend to use the toilet? No, I prefer just to pee out the window. I see. I wanted to get a chamber pot. Did you? <laughs> Who was going to change your chamber pot? Well, I would change it. I just said, you know, um, isn't it more convenient to have a chamber pot in your room than have to get up and go to the loo if you wake up and you need the, to make a wee? Oh, like a bedpan? Yes. Why not get a chamber pot? 
Well, I long in long many years ago, and I'm sure many. This we've been doing this podcast what for two million years. Two million eight hundred thousand now, actually, granddad. Gosh, it doesn't time fly. I must have mentioned my idea before. No time, literally, which, time literally doesn't fly. I explained um, how why time changes goes more slowly at higher speeds to Toby the other night, and he feigned death because he decided it was too much information. Well, actually, the best way of um, explaining that is. Um, Every time you move, like if, if you if you move, you're it's like there, there, there's a you have a bottle of time and a bottle of space, and you have to you the more the more you want to move, the more time you have to use up. It's it's kind of like a, it's like a seesaw. That's all it is. That's an absolutely terrible explanation. So, no, but, it, it, but that, that's the way to think of it. Is you it? use up less time the more you move your twit. No, you use you use up all your time allocation until there's literally no time left. That's why, for example. Light experiences no time at all. It's time's completely used up. It's stopped. There's nothing. So if you if you were light, you would see everything would be instantaneous. Um, I am the light of the world. I know that. But anyway, what were you saying before I became bored? I forgot. I changed subjects and forgot what the early original subject was. Hmm. Something about time flying. Oh, um, yes. So you have a bed with a hole in it at the groin level. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 you can cap it over. Mm-hmm. And you pop the cap, put your willy inside, mm-hmm. we into it. It's a very hygienic uh, container underneath, yes. and it just drains off. I don't know. Probably put it into the plumbing. Maybe well, in the plumbing, just like a toilet. In other words, a toilet. Yeah. Okay. But, but the idea is, it's all hermetically sealed and and nicely done. It's not stinky like an old chamber. Why box. not? Because I don't want to sleep in my wee wee smell. Ah, but actually, there is a problem. I, I've never. I, I. I don't know about you and your kinks, but uh, is it is it is it comfortable to urinate whilst lying on your stomach? I've never tried. Well, exactly. That might be the problem. It might. Maybe it'll be the loveliest way to wee wee. I. I would feel it would be a big adventure to have to try that. I have to say because it's not something have, that. Yeah. Have you ever tried to wee into a bottle in a car? No, it's nearly impossible. I mean, I, I, into a, like, I think maybe giving a urine sample or something like that, but it is, it's, it's annoying. Yes, it's oh yes, like so when you have to try to, yeah. No, I was one time trapped in a very like a it was like one of those monstrous six hour traffic jam type affairs, mm-hmm. and I just my body was like absolutely no. You should have just gotten a she wee. I should have and just peed out the window. No, the shiwis have got more like a funnel for ladies. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I, would sorry, for... pipe, I would have poked the pipe out the window. Sorry, uh, uh, not, so not ladies. People with um, non-extended oh, ex- non urethral tubes. Don't let's start. I'm just what's trying... Important, I'm... What's important is that we've all got urethral tubes, and that's what unites us. Um, no, some people don't. If they, they can be born with, with without them, really. Or with they, I don't count those people as humans. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. That's my prejudice. That you are very prejudiced. Mm. Actually. After I have so all, you, many prejudices. You don't think that Chinese people are even human. I don't. I believe that they to be an alien race that landed on Earth many millions of years ago. Aliens. Yes. Alien mm. to humanity. No shared humanity with Chinese. Yeah. It's interesting. People would be shocked if they knew that about you. It's a good job no one knows, isn't it? It is. Um uh, is it just Chinese or anyone with Asiatic features? No, just Chinese. So not Japanese. No, not at all. Korean? 
No, we've been over this so many times. Ah, okay, Chinese. What about Taiwan Chinese, which which were only split uh, after the uh, Communist Revolution? They are Earthlings, and they are the faces that the aliens tried to copy when they came to Earth. Okay, so the original Republic of China were the uh, Earthling Chinese, and Mao was basically a, an invader from outer space who replaced yes. the current Chinese with replicants. But it's really important to point out, as I have so many times before, they're not like an inherently evil alien race. They're just like, they're very similar to humans. So and you don't some think, of them are nice so, so you and some think, of them are horrible. So you don't think Mao and what he did was evil? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm a big, big fan of Chairman Mao. Yeah, and he tried to do his alien experiment and he tried his best. And it just went a little bit bit wrong. So I like the fact that he put so much effort in. And I think that's under undervalued. When are you getting your... Um, your vaccination for COVID-19, which is a disease that's been doing the rounds. Oh, um, well, I'm, not, I'm obviously not going to get one because I don't want my RNA genetically spliced. Thank you. Fair enough. But you can. Oh, my gosh. So Laura got sent a video by someone last night uh-huh. saying because um, Laura is a scientist mm-hmm. uh, TM. Yes. She, uh, a lot of her friends will say, um, is this real or is this true? And so someone sent her a video of a, a man explaining why the virus, uh, why the vaccine is is obviously pure evil. And Well, which one? And Hold on, the way, there, are, there are three different vaccine technologies in use here. So which one are they talking about? The, oh, he, the mRNA me, vaccine, went, I presume. He went through all three of them. Um, and they are a final solution. That's uh-huh. the phrase he used. Yeah. By Bill Gates. Right. No, that 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 was uh, Windows three point one for work. Yes, three eleven. I beg your pardon. Sorry. I think you'll find it was Windows eight. Um, was, uh... oh, no, it was Windows ME. Um, oh, oh. I, I, I mean that. It's it's really interesting when people go on about vaccines because actually, you know, unlike statins and other things, vaccines are very complex to manufacture and to get right. But actually. The technology is pretty simple and well understood. Um, if you think about it, the traditional, the, uh, the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, they take a chimpanzee flu virus. Uh, and unless you've been snogging chimpanzees, you won't already be immune to that. But it also won't make you sick. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely be fine then. Yes. And, 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 they, they, and they, put a little, uh, they put a little spiky crown on top of the chimpanzee flu virus. Where, like they, and I like to see it as like putting one of those um, Groucho Marx uh, masks on her face. Mm. It's a bit <laughs> like that, and then and and so your body recognizes that. So the next time when a Jew actually tries to come in, it knows to kill them. <laughs> and that's basically so. That, so that's how. So that's how the AstraZeneca <laughs> vaccine works, and it's very clever. Um, uh, so based it prepares on, you for, for, the, for the real thousands Jews. of years of anti-Semitism. Yeah. So, but how does the mRNA vaccine work? Well, the well, as it happens, as you know, every cell in our body has a uh, has a ba- uh, the ability to create recipe sheets, which it then uh, will then follow to make bits of protein. So, of course, we just create a special recipe sheet that we inject that our cells are used to seeing anyway, that creates a bit of protein that looks a bit like Groucho Marx's nose. And that then prepares you for when a real Jew comes as well. Um, now, what's really clever is there is a... Did you, uh, what I hadn't realized is that, the, that of course, because, because these recipe sheets, these mRNA, can allow you to build anything, did you know you can also instruct it to build the antibodies directly? 
as well, which is very exciting for other things like, for example, um, malaria vaccines. And one of the, but the problem is, the problem with mRNA is getting enough in that injection and manufacturing enough in the factory is actually quite tough because they're quite delicate little um, molecules. So there's a really clever thing where they combine the best of both worlds. They get a deactivated um, uh, virus and they, they hack it so that the only thing that that virus can do, rather than replicate itself, they can, once they get into your cell, the only thing they can do is replicate the mRNA. And I said to somebody who's a biochemist, I said, when I'm trying to explain this, is this an okay analogy? And they said, yes. So I said, it's the equivalent of injecting um, a photocopier with a recipe sheet on it so that it actually manufactures the recipe sheets inside your cell rather than having to do what we're currently doing, which is have all the recipe sheets ready to go for all your cells. And that's called uh, S-A-R-N-A, SANA, which is self-amplifying RNA. And that's the one they're looking to to deal with malaria. Um, that is definitely going to mutate inside the human body and cause people to turn into supervillains. Well, the point about that is, certainly, um, it, it, if, if the RNA that it creates just creates antibodies for uh, malaria, that's very good. But it does actually create uh, a super weapon because, of course, we could have it go inside and create massive cancer. We could have it create a sharp edge. We could have it make it do anything, really. So, yes, um, this is the end times. Good, good. So, yeah, apparently, well, yes, just like I don't know how London's a bit behind, isn't it? But we're, we're I'm due at the beginning of next month, apparently. But I know people who've been called up weeks and weeks early in this area because we're so efficient in the south. And one of the yeah, I mean, uh, what's really going to be interesting is, is that if this mRNA vaccination technology proves to be as good as I think it will be for all the other things that it can do, it'll be as significant as the introduction of uh, antibiotics. And that will mean, uh, and this is one of those things that was languishing for 10, 20 years, you know, no pharmaceutical company would actually give it the money to knock it over to production. Um, the government couldn't be asked to fund it. It was this pandemic that pushed it over the edge. And if that's the case, then the end utilitarian benefit of this pandemic will be substantially greater than any people it killed, maimed or caused to suffer. Over so you shall decade. be sending a thank you card to George Soros then? Correct. Uh, I, but it's not that surprising. I mean, think about it. Uh, it was kind of the first world war and gangrene and all that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it usually does create crises to to have these sorts of progressive developments, which is, of course, the great paradox of them. So um, I'm hoping that this will be as good as I I suspect they will be. Um, no one no one gives their kid a good enough lecture about looking both ways before they cross the road until their kid stepped into traffic. Of course. Of course. One of the one of the other things that I found really uh, interesting and actually a little tough to deal with is it's very peculiar how utterly incompetent the EU is being and how competent Britain is being in response. And, you know, I. Yes, it's awkward, isn't it? It is awkward. But I have to be honest, you know, I called out the, these people when they were talking nonsense and I have to call it out now, you know, if. Yeah. The EU has not been behaving well about this at all. And, and, and it's like this crisis has kind of revealed it to be almost a parody of what the Brexiteers said it was. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's, it's all a bit, a bit, a bit rum, isn't it? To, to, to quote the first syllable of this podcast title. <laughs> I think I heard just walking through the kitchen, 
heard the news that Italy is hoarding the vaccine, refusing to send it to Australia and stuff, and now refusing to give it to anyone as well. Correct. Yes. It's good choice, Italy. Well done. Actually, to be very fair, there the the 17 million people have had the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine so far. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, there is something a little peculiar about the clotting uh, uh, and various other ailments that have been revealed in that cohort. And that is they're slightly less than you'd expect from the general population. <laughs> which Laura proves... put it nicely last Laura put it nicely last night. She said that if you give a vaccine to 17 million people, uh, a couple of them are going to walk out in front of a, in front of a car. Of course, but it's going to be hard to make that association. Well, uh, as I as I made very clear, um, so far, total vaccinations of all types in the world are, I think, as of today, something like 380 million people. Okay? Wow! Now that's greater than the population of the United States. Uh, that means that every single thing that's happened to everybody in the United States in the last year is basically going to probably have a similar probability of happening to this vaccinated cohort. Um, yes. One in 500,000 chance yes. of being struck by lightning, which I thought was quite high, but apparently that's the global statistics. Okay. And if, if 350 million people have been vaccinated, or 380, and it's a one in 500,000 chance in a year, that you are going to be struck by lightning. Yes. I'm pretty sure statistically that as somebody's walked out of the vaccination centre at some part some part of the world, they've been struck by lightning and killed. It turns out, I've, this is what I've heard just recently, I just heard it now, yeah. is um, from a radio, a podcast I listen to, mm-hmm. um, is that if you get the AstraZeneca vaccine, mm-hmm. it can actually turn you, turns you almost instantly into a lightning rod. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, 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 but there is one thing that this whole brouhaha has revealed to me, and that is that uh, deaths by sudden clotting disorders, DVT and embolisms and so on, are far more common than I thought they were. It was a, a ridiculous number of young and otherwise healthy people uh, out of a thousand. I can't remember the exact figures, but it was something like, you know, 20 or 30 or something out of a thousand people will just drop dead in a year from this sort of uh, clotting thing. Which, which was a lot of people, if you add that up to the, the, the population. Being alive is perilous. It's also very unlikely. Being alive dramatically increases risk of death. Yes, I agree. It's very unlikely indeed. Um, so uh, what's been happening with Scotland these days? Well, it's not going very well, is it? It's, it's, ru- it's now illegal to say boo to a goose. I think probably, it's, it's, uh, probably it's, literally. It's, it's, Literally illegal. It's literally illegal to say <laughs> boo to a goose. <laughs> they got a bit carried away, didn't they? Yeah. Um, um, but thank goodness, well, independence is just around the corner, so you can see why their their priorities are all in place. I want to know what is it about what's really been going on about um, sturgeon and salmon. You know what I, I what what, what is it all go- about? There's obviously some sort of weird power play there. It's not what it seems. What's going on? No answer seems satisfactory, does it? It does seem that for some reason, this appearingly mild-mannered lady, mm-hmm. Miss, Mr. Mrs. Sturgeon, mm-hmm. is um, is an insane, uh, power-hungry dictator in <laughs> the strangest of ways, forcing through uh, bills that were not on any manifesto that the vast majority of the public are against, and doing and making no effort whatsoever to achieve the goal that her party uniquely exists to do. 
Right. Which does seem odd. And then the stifling of this inquiry has just been kind of comedy level. <laughs> Do you know she said at the beginning, we will not we will provide every piece of information they request. We will not put any barriers in the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like on a comic level, um, demonstrated that the Crown Office is totally in their pocket. Yeah, well, obviously. It, what a mess. What a silly situation. My my brother probably needs some advice from you about Japan. Who, oh, yes. I, and again, as early... World-leading expert, me. Yeah, you don't believe that the Japanese are aliens, so I can ask you about this. So No evidence whatsoever. So he, um, he had planned last year to take his family to the Olympics in Japan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they saved up, they got the tickets and everything, and, so, and planned what they would do outside of the Olympic times, go to the various uh, things that Japan has to offer beyond the Olympics and so on. And then, of course, it didn't happen. Now, this year, it looks like it will happen, but they won't allow spectators in. Um, but you'd probably still be able to get into Japan by that point, especially, you know, we'll be vaccinated by then and so on. If you were him, it's already a sunk cost. Would you go, even though you wanted to go to the Olympics and you're not going to be allowed into any Olympic stadium, would you still go to Japan? See, I'd love to go to Japan, first of all, mostly because I want to go to Super Mario World, which opens next month. Right. Um, because it looks really cute. But uh, I, I was thinking the other day how much I miss America. I haven't been, obviously, for a couple of years now. Mm. Um, and it's somewhere I've gone, you know, I don't think there's been a six-month... Well, no, I don't think I've gone a year without going to America my whole adult, you know, since I was Yes, this is the first time for me. It's, it's so... Yeah, it's really strange. I used to go like 10 times a year for work. I, um, I really miss going over to America. I really miss having a decent breakfast. Um, but I was thinking how much I'd love to go. But then I was thinking, do I ever want to sit on an aeroplane again? What if you and were that's, in a flatbed first class? I think even, I mean, that sounds lovely. But that idea that if, what if... What if, you know, these vaccines are 90% effective. That's amazing. That means I've got a one in 10 chance of getting coronavirus because some other asshole didn't bother getting the vaccine. And all that recycled air pretty much guarantees you're going to get it if it's on there. I know. They've said that they've got HEPA filters, John. I don't know if that's It's like a vacuum cleaner. But that doesn't, you know, if some walks past and coughs all over me, if I'm sat next to some coughing idiot. And let's be honest, you would do very badly with COVID because you're very obscenely unhealthy and overweight. It's true. Yes, yeah, true. So you would you would not be in a good cohort, would you? I don't really want to get it. Do you know what's really, uh, of all the things, I, I'd be okay with it, but the one thing I, no, I would, let's be honest, you die, I'd be fine. Um, <laughs> uh, you'd, the one thing that scares me, even some healthy people who've got it and haven't had, have had barely any effects, some have lost their sense of smell and taste completely. And I know one person who hasn't got it back a year later. I don't want that to happen. And that's just unacceptable. I'm using it. Yeah, exactly. That's just unacceptable. So that's the only thing that would concern me about this COVID-19. Can you, would you go on an aeroplane once you've had the vaccine? Yes, I think I would. Uh, but, you know, I would... I don't think I would go economy class. That's what I'm saying. Would I'd you go economy space. or are you now going to spend somehow rustle up £1,500 to fly? Well, yeah, I suspect what will actually happen, if we're being honest, is that there'll be a far fewer trips spending more on them. That's what I envisage. 
That makes, I mean, that makes a degree of sense. Uh, oh, there you maybe I'll screw it. I'll just take the QM2 to New York. What makes me really sad? See, that seems even worse than a plane, though. Now you've got a no, week breathing the no, same no, air. No, 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 no. If you, if you are actually, if you're actually scared, you know, not just performatively, then you have your own cabin with your own uh, balcony. You keep the, the, you keep it fresh and open. You, you go and get food from, or have it delivered, and that's it. I mean, that you'd be fine. If, that were, if you, you were could actually do that, but that would be a miserable, it would be a miserable way to travel for a week, wouldn't it? Be awful? well, but if you're worried about dying, uh, having a ventilator shoved down your throat, five days of 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 staring out uh, out of a, a window of the Atlantic and having reading doesn't sound that miserable to me. It doesn't sound yeah. too bad unless it's... you hate your own company. Oh, I have you met me? Yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah. The yeah, it's it's odd. I, I I hate the fact that I'm now thinking about airplanes as being mm. threatening and weird. It's it's odd how that I don't like that I'm well, that sort I, of I really, ghastly person. I don't like the you know we we will probably be from April. They will probably be temporary. We'll be reopening the office to a degree, and you'll have some time at home, some time at work, depending on what. And the uh, the notion of sitting on a Northern Line train in Russia oh. with my with my nose in someone's armpit used to seem normal just one mm. of those things now it seems just beyond the pale splitting away from those things that you'd normalize for long enough really does yeah. throw them in relief if if i had if i could just teleport to the office or whatever that would be fine but it's that commute that's just ridiculous i can't remember who to credit this to but laura told me that someone had said like we used to go into restaurants and we'd walk in and we'd sit down and we'd just start eating. We'd never think to wash our hands before we ate. Well, you never told your children to wash all your hands. Well, of course you tell your kids. But, you know, you're when you went out it. for food, you go to McDonald's. You don't pop into the bathroom to wash your hands before whatever. What do you mean pop into McDonald's? You have that delivered to your home by the nice invisible man. That's true. <laughs> but, yeah, well, that's the... um. But this is this is it's so odd these things that were just normal and now we like no one's going to just go and not wash their hands before they eat, are they? It's going to be a lot healthier if anything. Well, there's a big problem with flu, and that's why I they the people need. Well, there are two. The, the big problem is because it's basically disappeared. Uh, we don't have any kind of base immunity to the, whatever strain's going to come. It hasn't been quietly percolating itself over the season. So it means that when flu does come back in winter, epidemiologists are saying it's going to hit people very badly because it's suddenly bolt out of the blue. Um, but what I'm hoping is that the mRNA, the problem with flu is, of course, it mutates so quickly that traditional vaccines like two years in advance, they have to kind of make a bet as to what yeah. the strain will be, how it will be mutated and all that. And they often get the bet wrong, which is why flu vaccines have been pretty much useless. If if you look at the data, if you actually look at the well, real okay, data, I have a question. if you have if you have the vaccine, though, is that not helping that percolation? Not necessarily. Um, it depends. Some some vaccines allow shedding, others don't, and it's it's all a bit complex. But what I'm hoping is with the mRNA vaccines, you can basically resequence it to produce new a new version of mRNA. I was speaking to a guy who actually does this in the lab as part of, you know, his, his own experiments and so on at, uh, in, in Australian university. He says, you know, you can you, you could literally get that done in a day, you know, send it away to a lab and he's got what he needs in a day. So you could create new vaccines based on new strains within a day or two and ramp those up to production within a week or two. 
The only issue is that you'd have to have some sort of testing regimen in place to make sure that they didn't institute any autoimmune reaction by which. And that's the that's the only problem with these vaccines is that if you send an mRNA message to create a bit of protein and that little protein coincidentally looks a little bit like a little bit of your, say, pancreas, then your body ends up attacking, learning how to attack its own pancreas, which you don't want. So that's that's why there's testing, because in theory, we could ramp up new vaccines and have them delivered within a week. But of yes. course, there still needs to be two, three months testing. Now, if we can get sort of AI testing that predicts the sort of potential autoimmune things in a way that's testable and good and cuts down our testing, then we're in a very good position because it means as soon as any weird new virus appears, we can pretty much kick the hell out of it within a month or so of its arrival. And that would be very good. And that's why I said, if we get this right, then this is as big as antibiotics. Now, beyond that, of course, these mRNA vaccines were actually, the mRNA technology wasn't actually made for vaccination issue. It was made for very highly targeted chemotherapy where your body will produce just what it needs to target specific cancer cells in specific places. And that's where this will be very interesting, which is why I made that point at the beginning that the the end result of lives saved in this pandemic could be substantially greater than lives taken over a 10-year period. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that will be the case. Um, on the other hand, it could be that those people that Laura's friends forward on are right, and it's going to turn us into, well, turn us into what exactly? Well, I'm pretty sure gills. Gills are going to be part of it. We're going to start growing why gills. Does, there was that episode of Outer Limits that showed me that. Why does Bill Gates want us to have gills? Um, I imagine it's because he's preparing for, you know, he believes in that, all that global warming nonsense and the sea levels rising. So he's actually being very beneficent. Yes. He's but, uh, you know, but you like can't water possibly... World. Sure, if we believe, yes, if we're believing that Bill Gates has caused the virus, then surely we can't also be believing in in climate change. No, obviously not. That's right. So I thought it was George uh, Soros. Well, I like to imagine that the two of them get together for uh, say Damascistic sex sessions when they make their decisions. We do know that Bill Gates did spend some time on um, Epstein's Lolita Express. He was on the passenger list. I, I I didn't know that. Yeah, it's all these. It is quite funny. These rich, awful people really are probably about as bad as people imagine them to be, but in a much more tawdry and less conspiratorial way. They just like doing nasty things to. I don't. Do you know? I don't. I feel like Bill Gates' evil is a very different form. His evil was much more just weird, world destroying selfishness until he. Had a, I don't know, had a Damascian moment. But uh, did he have a Damascian moment, or is he the same? I don't man? know. I genuinely. How do you go from? How do you go from that that vile attitude of the nineties, in which he was what? trying to clamp down on all Everything. concepts of yeah. free software, yeah. to suddenly being this benevolent person who spends his billions trying to cure malaria? Like, and is save... he? Is he? I don't know that because I mean there are people who you know not conspiracists, but basically people say, well, actually, you know, this is a bit of a grift. If you actually look at how the money's been spent and the attitudes and what's been achieved and what hasn't, this is this isn't looking as great as it is. And I have to say, I don't know because I've not looked into the into the full depths of it because, of course, it's very difficult to find a a, a, a level-headed analysis of it, isn't it? Because you're either going to have people who hagiographize him and call him call him nerdy Jesus, and other people who call him the devil but having that middle ground of actually let's analyze him as if you were analyzing any business that's made investments over the last few years have they been effective what's really Mm. been the end game what are they looking to do what's their business model and so on and i think that's not something i've seen so if any of our listener 
can recommend a good source for that, I'll uh, be happy to to hear. Oh, good news! Yeah, yeah. Prince Philip leaves hospital. Oh, really? Mm. I'm very surprised to hear that. The man is clearly mostly robot. Yes, maybe that's what, maybe that it wasn't so much hospital as gar- he was in the garage. <laughs> Should we mention why we're bothering to record? Okay, go on. So we had a friend called Graham Payne. Um, Nick was much closer to him than I. Um, but I, we've known him, what, 25 years? Because that's how old we are. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on Bemley, the brass eye mailing list. That's where we all got to know Graham. And he was, I say was because he died a couple of days ago. Um, uh, and we're sad. And he also listened to this, so it seemed fitting to record what he can't listen to. <laughs> well, he might be listening to it on some plane. Um, yes, and his story is one of really a, a complete failure of mental health services, of course. Um, I, see, I've been thinking about this because obviously, yes, mental health services are obviously nowhere fit for purpose. But are there people like Graham who are so chronic that there isn't, if you, you could offer a, infinite amounts of help but if it's not taken is there anything you can really do well probably not i mean one of the things that had happened is that he had actually been sectioned in january for harming himself and you know he spoke to me on the phone about this and was quite public about it and so on and they was then released and there was supposed to be um community support and visits and so on but of course he was last visited on Monday and the useless person was, oh, yeah, he seemed fine. Uh, whereas those who were close to him said, no, were, were sending complaints saying, no, he's absolutely not fine. We, he's been paranoid, delusional. He's been getting worse than ever. Right. Your one minute visit to him doesn't prove anything. You need to get him institutional help right now or something bad will happen. And then something bad happened. Right. Uh, and it was that level, you know, it was that there was no real, no real, and I do wonder if it's if it's better for them that people do just dispatch themselves because they're cheaper and they're not a problem anymore. Ugh, I can't. Certain go... quality of people. I mean, obviously not little kiddies and that because those are nice. But you know, a sort of a, a sort of a uh, middle aged, slightly smelly, difficult uh, gentleman who doesn't have any dependence. Why? Why not just have him dispatch himself? It's, uh, it solves the problem, doesn't it? I've, the, the, the reason I struggle with this, this cynicism is that to go into that job, to go down that career path, you have to have some, you know, that's an awful job. And you've got to have some passion, compassion to have it ever gone in that direction, surely. Do you? Well, I'm, I can't understand the pathology of someone who decides, I know I'm going to become a health support, a, a mental health support worker. And I'm not going to care if my if my clients or patients die. I don't understand well, how those two things can correlate. Well, you've seen terrible teachers. You know, even if they, yeah, you know, I, I do think some teachers die because they like the holidays and they just their friends do it and they think it should be okay. I do. I don't think every teacher has an amazing vocation. Of course, yeah. And I think it's probably that's the why same. most teachers, the average teacher, lasts three years in the job. And I think it might be the same. There are those who have a vocation of care. I suspect there are those who just mm. know that. They can tick boxes and sort it out, and that's the end of it. You know, they might have said, "Look, there are other parts of the medical uh, complex I couldn't get into. I can get in here. Uh, yeah, just maybe. keep my head down." 
I also feel like Graham is the most would have been the most innocuous of those. There are people who are physically dangerous. There are people who are are viciously cruel mm. who are in these situations. And Graham was none of those. Graham Graham was gentle and funny and thoughtful. Yeah, and you know, so I can't again. He just doesn't fit the criteria for someone who just be like, oh, whatever. Surely. You'd hope so. I mean, one of the bad things that he had last year was he went back on the alcohol. And, oh. I, and I told him, I said, look, you, you can't call me. And then the real problem was he'd call me and he was blind drunk, barely able to string a, a sentence together. Yeah. And I'd tell him, I said, Graham, you're incoherent. You're insulting me by speaking to me like this, etc." You know, because one thing we had an agreement, I, I, I agreed with him. I said, if you want to speak with me ever, I'm never, ever, ever going to patronize you. I'm going to say exactly what I think of you at that moment. And he, mm-hmm. and he said, yeah, he, I said, that, that's the deal. You know, you don't have to take it, but that's the deal. And he, and he did take it and he found it useful because, of course, others wouldn't. And I said, you know, I said, you, you're, you're, you're drunk, you're, bare, you're, you're, you're not enjoyable to talk to in this state because you, you forget the things. We, we had a long discussion yesterday about X, Y, Z. You've completely forgotten it. It's just annoying to me to have yeah. to do that. Um, you're slurring. And he said, no, you, but, but he said, no, but I, I, you wouldn't even know I'd had a drink. Oh. So, I said, I really would. You're, you're, you're deluding yourself. Um, and that's the problem. He thought that he was a, a witty raconteur while he was drunk. And I think that's a that's a problematic state to be in. The one blessing that I have is the few times that I've gotten drunk, I know exactly the state I'm in. It's like there's this meta ghost in the machine that, yeah. that's kind of saying, right now you're slurring, you're talking too loudly. And when you get up, it's all very wobbly. That is because you are drunk. I have the exact same voice. I hate, I can't, I haven't been drunk in, what, 21 years? Yeah, now. very rare. Um, yeah. And I find that. Because I just, that I find it so, that I find that incongruity so unsettling and unpleasant. I know, I can enjoy it. Like, I remember the last time, probably about five or six years ago, I just had one more to drink than, than, than made one. Strictly necessary. Yeah, exactly. And then I, I remember I went to the loo and I was standing there, I was thinking, I'm feeling pleasantly woozy at the moment. I'm feeling a bonhomie about the world and I'm feeling sort of dizzy in an entertaining way. If I have one, I, I, I could now, and I was actually saying this, I could now calm myself and thinking another glass or two and these feelings would be amplified mm-hmm. by those glasses. But no, what will happen is I'll start feeling really ill and my and headachey and annoyed. So I won't. And it's interesting, I've never, that, that voice has never gone away. And I've taken it to the only time I ever took it to a real extreme was last day of university when I got just blind drunk on Moronov vodka, just performatively. So I said, I'm going to do the final yeah. student thing. Now. I'm just going to drink and drink. And I basically passed out on it um, in the end. But even to that moment, I knew exactly where I was, what I was doing in the state I was in. There was no, there was never this, oh my God, I can't remember what I was up to. What did I say? I've never had that. So I've, I've had that the one. So I remember when I was at like 19, I would regularly, I remember that you going to the pub toilet was the measure for how drunk you were. Cause you sort of, how st- still could I stand? How much did I need to balance myself, my forehead on the wall? Um, and then we used to drink in this pub called the White House in Guildford that had steps up to the toilets. So that was always a very useful guide as to whether you should have any more. Yeah. Um, but uh, the last the oh, the last time I got deliberately drunk was uh, my second year of university. No, first yeah, first year of university. I broke up with my girlfriend, and my housemates got me drunk. Right. Yes. Um, and uh, that I danced on the stage at the student union. Did you know you were dancing on the stage? I I I have very see that I that's why I I don't remember much of the evening. 
I do remember that I woke up in the morning and was very, very sick, um, vomiting, and I hate vomiting, and I felt awful, and my house was full of people I didn't know, and it just hated the situation, and I just thought, I'm never going to do this again, and then and then didn't. I did on the at the Millennium, um, where I was in London for the Millennium, and I someone gave me a big two-litre bottle of Coke to carry around. I knew it was basically just all liquor inside. It was a crazy cocktail. And I was by the... Were you there by the Thames for the Millennium? Yes. It was extremely hot in the crowds. And so I kept drinking from this bottle out of thirst. It tasted really nice. Um, But I kept drinking for thirst rather than for a desire to get drunk. And then I don't remember feeling drunk at all. I just remember everything being perfectly normal. And then the next morning I had a hangover and was sick. But that was the very last time I was drunk. Right. Because I just don't enjoy it. There's no, I, I remember just thinking, none of that, when I was at university, that, that, because I would drink, you know, and I still do, I still enjoy rum and coke. Yeah. Um, but I would, that next morning, I felt so rotten. And I thought, does any of this feeling match how good of a time I had last night? No, not on any and level. I think that's so our that, gift. Uh, uh, that's our yeah, gift. Yeah. Because some people, that's what, yes, yes. some people don't get the gift of that awfulness associated with the uh, pleasure and they just, chase the pleasure again and it's just the dopamine hit and that's it and then they're on that conveyor belt i think we're very I, lucky I, I that it in, makes us feel so bad i once interviewed a, a guy who ran a rehab clinic and he said that he said you can have a drink or two and um and then have an enjoyable evening i can have a drink or two and then wake up in mexico in two weeks time yeah it's, it's, it's so it, i think yes it is a, it's t- certainly there's genetic disposition there do you have any also... alcoholics in your extended family or had any i think i had one i'm thinking in every direction i can and no i don't think i can't think of anyone hmm. yeah, it's probably no i can't think of any yeah my parents barely drank the whole time i was a kid um it was very rare for them to have a, any alcohol did they have a? Did your mother not have a little cabinet where she had this ancient bottle of sherry in it or something? That... They did. They had the dresser with the crystal glasses that were never ever used, apart from maybe once every three years. And my my dad used to brew beer. Well, he also um, used to garage. make some plum. Oh, orange, orange liqueur. Yeah, orange liqueur, and it... he made it from the clementine skins at Christmas. Was it any good? Oh, it's so good! It's the most, and there's still some left. There's this bottle in the cab in, in downstairs in a cupboard. Oh, you dare not um, drink it! And well, that's the thing is, like, as soon as it's gone, it's that's it for all of it forever. So you can just sniff it. Um, so, well, I'm thinking what I'm going to do because I don't really ever mark his anniversary because who cares how many, how far the Earth's been around the sun since he's dead? Um, hmm. But at the same time, everyone else around me notices it. So my family are all very aware of the anniversary, which makes me aware of it. And so I'm thinking maybe I'll just have a little drink of it each, each, each anniversary of his death. Right. No, maybe I, on his birthday would be better. I think that, uh, uh, you see, in, in Judaism, you you light the outside candle, with a little candle to remind yourself of it on the anniversary of his death. So there should be some little commemoration while there's somebody around to still commemorate it, I guess. Um, and I don't I, understand the point of commemorating a death, commemorating a continuing to commemorate the birth makes more sense. But the death was like literally the worst day of his life. Why on earth did you want to keep marking it? Um, just to remind you that it happened. Do that on his birthday. I'm not. I don't. Do you know? I very rarely forget that my dad's dead. I don't really need a, an annual reminder. Yes, um... it, comes, it comes up anyway. Um, yes, but well, I, I, I mean, I presume your other members of your family will also remember and remind you. Yes, this is true, and they do. And they, um, my mum always says, "Well, I don't feel any any extra miserable on this day 
Um, my sister is more into anniversary type things. I also feel, I feel the same way. You know when you see those bunches of flowers by the side of the road? Yeah, I'm always interested in Tied that. to the lamppost. And I'm thinking, if I die in a car crash mm-hmm. or I'm run over on the pavement and I'm killed, mm-hmm. don't don't celebrate the point where that happened. Put the flowers somewhere I liked being. <laughs> Go, oh, let's decorate the place where he was splattered against a fence with some flowers. <laughs> I find that really odd. Please don't do that to me. I think I think I'll be fine. I will do that. I'm going Thanks. to do that. In fact, I'm going to get you knocked over just so I can do that. <laughs> That's very kind of you. So, what's happening with regards to Graham and death and funeral and things? Well, we're still going to have to wait and see. I guess um, I don't know what the what funerals are allowed to happen at the moment. How long they'll take? Whether there's going to be an inquest and all that kind of I'm stuff. I'm sure there there has to be something with suicide, doesn't there? There has to be some sort of investigation. I would have thought so. So we'll we'll see. And of course, then there will be the the general uh, circling of the wagons to make sure that nothing's actually learned from it and all those yes. kinds of things. So, uh, does he have any living his parents alive? His mother is alive, but she's basically gaga and in a home. And right. she's got, he's got brothers who themselves seem to be in various stages of um, mental decay. But there's well, one who's... They all grew up in the same yeah, house. And there's one who's kind to. of trying to arrange things. And, he's, and his ex, actually, is, is, has been devastated by that she's been posting on Twitter and she's been yeah. she's been the one who's been trying to champion for him and been writing the official complaints to the health authorities and that kind of stuff. She seems splendid. And yeah. and uh, and of course she's had to put up with a lot like like when Graham went on to Ian Lee's um radio program and was talking nonsense about her on it and that kind of thing. Oh. So you know she I think Graham thought he was like Peter Cook calling into LBC. He did. He He did. And I told him, I I said, Graham, you do realise you are one of the most narcissistic people I know. And he he did agree. (laughs) He was very funny though. He wrote scripts, didn't he? Did he ever get anything published? Anything I'm not sure, but he certainly he knew, you know, he 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 you know the quantics of this world and so on did circle him and and respected him to a degree. And he did he did get he certainly was a. He did some script editing and things like that. Um, it's just that his demons meant that he couldn't just ever wrap that up. As soon as he wrapped that up, he'd go mad for a while, and then that would stop. Yeah. And he didn't drink too much, which is a, a pity because I think he, you know, what he could have oh, been. Oh gosh, yes, he could have been something very significant. It was just a, a shame. I think he wanted. He fancied himself, and I think he said this literally. He wanted to be like a Spike Milligan sort, you know, completely mm. tortured and drunk and so on, but still able to to do the stuff through the demons, but. He wasn't able to do it through the demons. And what's so tragic is there's no none of these people, none of these demon-haunted alcoholic geniuses would have been worse writers and comedians for not being drunk. Oh, no, they would have been better. They would have been better, and that's this horrible myth. Like, Peter Cook, first of all, alive would certainly be much funnier than he has been for the last couple of decades. Yeah, he's been a bit dull. He really has flattened off a little, and... And also, he would have been producing more great comedy more of the time. Hmm. Um, certainly, the demons part of it is, does seem to... You, there's some argument for the demons in the sense that to have something to be angry about and to uh, channel mm-hmm. seems to make a huge difference. But sadly, the uh, people seem to proselytise the, the drugs and the alcohol, which makes me With, very sad. Without looking it up, uh, how old was Peter Cook when he died? For, I, I'm guessing from how he looked that he would have been early fifties. Yeah, age fifty-seven. I I thought oh. I thought he was older. 
I thought he was younger. That's funny. I thought he was older because he always acted like in, in his end stages, he was always, he sounded very decrepit. I've forgotten. The, oh my gosh. I've forgotten the why bother guy, the name from why bother. What was it? I've forgotten as well. Oh dear. Yes. Oh my word. Um, yes. That character was sort of him. It's funny. I always think the least funny thing he ever did was stuff with Dudley Moore. He'd be he'd be, he'd be in his early eighties now, so he could easily still be alive. Yeah, you know, if Ringo Starr is, why can't he? Apparently, Dudley Moore was an unpleasant character. That's all I've heard. Yes. Hmm. And then he got some disease to punish him for being an unpleasant character, didn't he? <laughs> That's how it works. It is karma, you know. Usually, usually you're only reincarnated as a as a disease cripple, but in this case, it was given to him. In this life, which is which is very if lovely. that were true, how come Jasper Carrot's still alive? Is he? I believe so. Is he? What evidence do you have that Jasper Carrot is still alive? Come on now. <laughs> do you remember he did that that quiz show with the golden balls? No, but it sounds very good. It's it it was it's sometimes on the challenge TVs. It's absolutely extraordinary because the rules are beyond incoherent. There is you could study it at degree level and still not know what was going on in that program. <laughs> God. It was very peculiar. So how uh, how old is Jasper Carrot then? Well, I guess like, he's in his 70s 76, by now. yeah. 76. But he is, I'm afraid, still alive. I presume his daughter Lucy Davis is as well. She became very ill with some sort is of she? Uh, liver or kidney problem, if oh, I remember no. correctly. She had disease, yeah. That's why she kind of disappeared off the scenes, didn't she? She played... The lady on uh, the office in the UK. She was the lady off of the office. Oh, I remember her. One of the things I like the most is she. she so she's called Lucy Davis, and she. Yes, uh, I was going. I was going to tell the same story. Remember that? Uh, yes. Well, you, you you can tell it then, John. Go on. No, I want you to. Well, it was something like they, they said. Well, why have you taken the name Davis when your dad's Jasper Carrot? And she says, "What makes you think that Carrot was the uh, was the real name? Was <laughs> the real name? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yes, but." Uh, no, I think she's she's still with us. Oh, she was in Wonder Woman, wasn't she? Was I remember she? that. She mm. was an eccentric British woman in, in the Wonder Woman film. Uh, did you uh, watch WandaVision? Yes, I did. Did you like it? Yes, I liked it very much. I thought it was one of the most interesting studies of television that I've ever seen. Although the last two episodes just went into a standard... Uh, it, went, it went standard Marvel gobbledygook, but in an entertaining, high-budget way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I uh, I liked it, but I think that there doesn't need to be a second series. I don't think there can be a second series. Oh, when there's money, anything can be. Um, I mean, this it the ending apparently is setting up stuff for the next Doctor Strange movie and for the Loki. Uh, boring. Um, I love that stuff. I love when it all intertwines and overlaps. One thing I'm I want to know great is big silly nerd. How come the only good funny one was Thor Ragnarok. What well, the Guardians, the Guardians of the Galaxy were funny, but yes, Thor Fraggle Rock was by far the best. But why? What went wrong? Because it was James Gunn. Ah, is it the director or the? Is he a director? Yeah. Well, no, no, it was. Uh, no, hang on. Sorry, I'm talking to complete rubbish. Sorry, you are that's the, as ever. It was Watiti. That's why it was so good. I think it was pardon. written What's and what? directed by Taki Watiti, who is in the, the, just absolutely brilliant. He's made nothing but extremely brilliant films his entire career. So why did they get him to make the rest of them then? 
because <laughs> I think you know, only have time to make one at a time. No, why didn't um, he make? So he's working on the next. He's working on the next Thor already. So will will the next Thor be good then? Well, I, I mean, you can't. I can't prove it will be yet, but the same teams on it. So, right. Um, let me just go through. Let me just go through the films that he's directed because. Uh, they are all extreme. Oh, 30. That can't be right. He must have done lots of TV shows. Um, oh, he did a bunch of shorts at the start. So um, Eagle versus Shark. Have you seen that? No, it sounds awful. It's really good. Um, it is 2007. It stars um, uh, Jermaine Clement um, and also uh, another New Zealand actress called Lauren Taylor. And it's a really interesting uh, angle on romantic comedy where none of the characters are redeemable, which is really good. Right, right. I, um, I haven't seen I haven't seen Boy. I didn't know he'd done a film called Boy. Um, I haven't oh. seen that. I wonder what that's about. I'm just concerned that... Oh, yeah, I'm in the directed by Boy. Uh, set on the East Coast of New Zealand, 1984, Boy, an 11-year-old child and devout Michael Jackson fan, gets a chance to know his absentee criminal father, who has returned... Sounds awful. Uh, to find a bag of money he buried years ago. That's terrible. Well, this is the thing. It does sound terrible, but they all do. And then you watch them and they are absolutely extraordinary. He did What We Do in the Shadows, which is obviously amazing. You must have seen that, Sean. No. Oh, you've got to watch What We Do in the Shadows. It's all about New Zealand vampires and werewolves. Okay. It contains, you know, Murray from Flight of the Concords. Yeah, with his Vic 20. It contains his immortal line where he goes, Guys, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. Okay, I'll, I'll watch it if um, you insist. Hunt for the Wilder People, which is also brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Thor, Thor Fraggle Rock, and there, then Jojo Rabbit, which won Oscars, didn't it? I think so. Got terrible reviews and won Oscars. It was a strange one. And he did some episodes of The Mandalorian. I avoided that. It's very, very boring. No, I've heard people who like Star Wars like it because it's been the most Star Warsy Star Wars offshoot for years. But I just don't like Star Wars, so it's irrelevant. I'm not in the least bit fussed about Star Wars, but it's the most. It's the best. I hate. I kind of don't like Star Wars. I think would be the best way to put it because I think it's just such drivel. Well, it's also it's so, it's, un- it's, it's so unimaginative. Exactly, and so it's very shallow and obvious, isn't yeah. it? It's like one-dimensional goody baddy crap. I mean, it's kind of. Yes. Uh, it's interesting. Adam Huffman, who, as you know, is very, very snobby about cinema, gives Star Wars a uh, an exemption clause merely because he encountered it when he was a child. But I think that's the thing, is I didn't encounter it when Nor I was did a I, child. as I think we mentioned before. For some reason, I yeah. just, just it escaped me, and so I wasn't beguiled by its nonsense. And I think if you aren't, if you aren't caught by, by a child, you see, see it for the, 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 the drivel it is. Beyond drivel, I know I enjoy some drivel. It's 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 it's, yeah. it's boring. It's bo- it is boring. It and is that's so the boring. Star Wars. And it makes me cross that everyone when you love it's like but loving Star Wars is like being a conspiracy theorist. Yes, it's so when boring. you believe in when you're a conspiracy theorist, you believe every conspiracy. With Star Wars, you love every single thing Star Wars does, no matter what. And it's and then people kind of it's not because I hate science fiction. I like science fiction. I, I love, love science fiction, and, and I like stupid science fiction, like Star Trek. I I like that as well. But Star Wars is so boring. I want I like spaceships and pew 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 and explosions, and yet 
just is it, I don't really. I like... haven't seen the most. I, the, I have saw the first of the recent trilogy, but I haven't bothered with actually, the second think, two, and I haven't seen Solo. And I think I may need to transition because actually, I find the pew 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 and the explosions the least interesting thing about. I don't. I find it. I I hate fight scenes and shootouts in movies. I find those. I just tend to look at my phone until they're over. Yes, exactly. There's very little. There's very little entertainment value in just watching people missing each other. Oh yes, in 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 utterly implausible ways too. It's like I have a new rule actually. Yeah, you have to say that like Bill Mayer. Okay, people, new rule. Oh, does he say that? Mm. Oh no! Go on then. I don't want to be like him. Go on then. What's the rule? Um. But my rule is that um, you're no longer allowed to write stories in fiction. And it will erase, if this becomes retrospective, it will erase 95% of action films and TV shows. That's fine. That's um, no, but you're no, not no allowed loss. to write a scene in which the, 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 the heroes only survive because the baddies have inexplicably bad aims. Agreed. That's, that's... The number of times you just see them running, run, 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 as the big never the mind bullets flying rule. everywhere. No, actually, actually, never mind you, rule. If Scotland is going to be passing laws where you're not allowed to say boo to the goose, that should just be a law. It should be actually a criminal yeah, offence. It should be. It doesn't make it's so odd how almost everything relies on a scene where the heroes do nothing heroic whatsoever. I just merely not almost that everything. A lot. Every single action every, film. There's been not one action film that I think hasn't had that trope. I can't think oh, of Oh, The Matrix. He they 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 narrative they give a narrative reason why the bullets miss Neo. Yeah. Fine. That's good. Oh, we'll we'll let them off. Yeah, we'll let them off. But I mean, that's right. It's that, and also the uh, it's inexcusable when sci-fi shows you an astonishing technologically advanced society, and yet is relying on targeting that uh, in medieval times they wouldn't have relied on. <laughs> Now, in medieval times, they actually had special things to determine where the trebuchet's target would end up and could take account of moving targets and things like that. Um, we're talking about pe- people with less technology than a Maasai spear thrower in space. I, I, that, that's, un, I, that, that's not allowed. You know, these, <laughs> World, War everyone... I dogs, do- these World War I dogfights in space that Star Wars yeah. do, that, 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 that's actually a- offensive. That, that, that should be against the Scottish law. John, here's the thing I always think whenever I'm watching big space opera science fiction and I'm seeing the vast spaceships and the, int- you know, I think, where did they get all the raw materials to build this? That's all right. Uh, asteroids. I just I the feel universe like that is very process big. isn't... That, yeah, but that process, oh my gosh, I just look at the size and scale of the of the space stations and just feel just a horrible sense of overwhelmed panic at <laughs> the idea that so- someone had to design it and build it and there were thousands of people working for presumably no, decades no, no, to no, put these no. things together. No, because what you could do is imagine, so, you know, the asteroid belt. The asteroid belt has effectively infinite amount of material if we mm-hmm. could create robots and nanotechnology that would basically just stream go to the asteroid belt put everything together and then do it and then send it to earth or earth's orbit that would be fine i think what you're thinking of you're thinking of the equivalent of think of your uh, a, a computer game where you've got some rendered scene you're thinking of that somebody had to paint every pixel with a watercolour brush, and that's making you upset. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. So if you've got to think of it more, the, what put it together was effectively a corporeal instantiation of a computer program that just went off, did its stuff, and a year later, it was sent to Earth. But then there's you no men in some... weldering with. There's no men with weldering guns. But there are all over the stations. That's my point. They're all men with weldering yeah, guns that's in just, every corridor. Yes, because that's just for the same reason that uh, on the Starship Enterprise, when the plot requires it, there's no CCTV anywhere. <laughs> it, it, there isn't any. Maybe it's a privacy thing. Yeah, yeah. In, in the cargo bay. <laughs> Captain, you better come down and see what's going on here. Okay, I better walk there because there's no other way I could see anything that's happening in the cargo bay. We saw that in the scene the other day. <laughs> Captain, I've just received a message that somebody has launched one of our uh, one of our shuttles. Oh, really? Yeah, I love it when that happens. Or they say, Captain, where's locate the computer? Locate Deanna Troy, and the computer goes, Deanna Troy is nowhere aboard this ship. Maybe you could have said something when she went missing. Yeah, well, exactly. Also, I think one thing that we've learned significantly with, for example. Uh, both the Google and the A-L-E-X-A, which I won't say for obvious reasons, is that, you know, voice uh, voice interfaces are not the way to go for complex... Hey, Alexa, murder Nick and his whole family. I'm sorry, I don't know how to have a chicken dinner. <laughs> Google is just as awful. They're all awful. There's My we... favourite is when, they, when she pipes up, even though no one has approached, saying, Hey, Google... Volume to 10. There you go for everyone listening. Yeah. Um, and you, no one said anything like that. And Google just pipes up and says, here are some results I found on the web. Yeah. Happy well, Google, that's nice. Let's be honest. That's the only thing that any of them could do. Here are some results I found on the web. Which, uh, And look, I think one thing that, that, uh, that Ali and uh, Google represent is that we don't have anything to fear about the AI overlords coming to kill us. This is true. The, the, uh, the, the singularity is a way off. Yeah, that's, you know, and also let's be honest, no, no clever self-driving cars. We can't even, we can't. I can't even get her to tell me whether it will rain the next day. If she decides she doesn't want to talk about the rain. She just gives you the weather forecast. So, no, I want you to tell me whether is it going to rain tomorrow. And it's like you have to get into these weird, convoluted ways of asking the question. It's like I'm playing a really, really old bad infocom adventure, and it's uh, you know 2021. So no, no worries. Weirdly, Google does do that. Google will say, "You say, is it going to rain today?" And in fact, I said yes. it only yesterday. Yeah, no, no. She said, "Yes, it will rain. Expect rain between eleven p.m." Yes, no, and... I agree. I agree. Most of the time, it will. But if you sometimes ask Alea that, she won't suddenly. And she'll suddenly refuse to talk about rain the next day and say, "But what's the likelihood?" <laughs> I'm not going. I'm just going to tell you about what the weather's going. To, yeah, but I want to know. Is it twenty percent? Sometimes she'll be very insistent in telling you the likelihood, and she won't. You can't get her to revert <laughs> to her behaviour. So yeah, it's... here's what I can't stand: is that Google Google tries to be cute. <laughs> so Laurie uses it for timers all the time. So she's baking. She needs like nineteen different timers on, and she'll say, "Hey, set a timer." for 18 minutes and she'll say sure a timer for 18 minutes and that's starting now yeah none of that helps no just say okay that's no all, i think you should say start i need i think you should say starting now because otherwise you don't get the impression of that she, she might have gotten the wrong impression and that I've okay, ordered, sure, I've I ordered you some need, toilet paper or something i don't need and that's starting i don't need any of that the, don't be cute no just, I like it when I get really cross with her, and then she's like, goes, she goes really passive aggressive, <laughs> defensive. 
Yeah. You're like, oh, F off, Google. And she'll say, um, if you have any um, comments or <laughs> issues with me, why not file a blah, blah, blah? Is Alexa with an earshot for you right now? Yes. Um, ask Alexa, what is the difference between a duck? That's it. Yeah. Alexa, what is the difference between a duck? One swims in water. But one walks on land. What? <laughs> one swims on water and one walks on land. Well, let me ask the same of Google and you'll see the correct answer. Uh-huh. Let me just hang on. What is the difference between a duck? One leg is both the same. There you go. That's the correct answer. That's a joke my dad used to tell. And I asked it of Google in just out of pure nonsense and when she answered with the punchline i was very impressed well there you go so actually that might have that might have been the singularity that that, that is the singularity was that one joke yeah (laughs) oh god have you had enough now do you want to say goodbye i think we should stop because i do need a wee i hate wee so much i I actually one thing about humanity i I wouldn't get rid of cancer or heart attacks but i would get rid of the need to wee that's just ridiculous i bought a pair of I bought a pair of trousers Adult in America. Nappies. Sorry, oh, trousers. I bought a pair of trousers in America a few years ago. Did you? Or oh, pants, as they're um, called there. Pants. And they're cargo pants. Uh-huh. Um, you keep cargo and in And I, I, my cargo's in it. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't have a fly or a zip or anything. No. So you have to pull it, either pull it down in it, but if you pull it down at the front, uh-huh. it's got an elastic waistband instead, right? And right. if you pull it down at the front to do a wee, the elastic pulls against all the correct pipes in order to make your wee not work properly at all. <laughs> right. So you either wee straight down the trousers right. or it just comes out like a fountain. So to, when I wear those trousers to go to the toilet, I have to pull them all the way down to my ankles like a little boy. Oh, dear. I, <laughs> stand up to stand at a urinal. the toilet with the very bottom out. Imagine doing that, doing that in a urinal. <laughs> I have I have to remember if I'm wearing them go up to a urinal and oh I can't I have to go into the toilet cubicle. Oh you just you just pull them out, you just pull them down completely. Because <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> Toby does that. So if I go to uh, in the seven hundred years ago when I last took Toby to a public toilet, mm-hmm. um he would he would pull his trousers down to the trousers and pants down to the ankles to use the little urinal. <laughs> that's basically me when I wear those trousers. Are you sure you could do that? Like, what's the problem? Yeah, <laughs> we're going to start doing that. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> My hairy bum just out for everyone to enjoy. Give it a bit of an airing. I'm, I'm actually... not at all embarrassed by my bottom. I'm quite happy to moon anyone yeah. at any time. One, one thing I wonder, though, I mean, if you... Can you imagine? If Imagine you, got, you shaved your bum, Okay. Okay. Can you how awful it would be as the hair sort of growing back and you got itchy? Oh, can you imagine on all those prickles? That would be just torture. How do people do that? I think it's what you've got yourself looped in then, haven't you? You've just got to keep going exactly. back and There's wax, no way it, out. wax you, it once again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think at that point, wax would probably be better then. I remember going to see the 40 year old virgin at the cinema. Yes. And then you and went the to wax- see a movie. Uh, and I went and uh, the waxing scene in that film. Yes. And there were very few people in the cinema, and yet 
everyone. I looked around and everyone I could see was crying with laughter. I've never been in the situation where everyone was weeping because they'd laugh so hard. Those are the mirror neurons. You should have found the one person who wasn't and then you would probably spotted the psychopath. That's true. I hadn't thought of that. But there really were only about five or six people in the cinema. And you know when it's there's only that many people, you don't really laugh very loudly because no. it's a bit awkward. Yes. But everyone was just in pieces over that scene. That's a genuinely very funny piece of cinema. cinema. And apparently the way they shot it was the it was a real beautician that's doing the waxing uh-huh. and she hadn't been warned about the what was going to happen. And everyone was essentially improvising from the point when Steve Carell was in so much pain. So really Steve Carell was choice, actually in pain. Improvise. Yes, vast amounts of pain. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Method. I remember <laughs> it's very. You remember cinemas? Huh? Cinema. Do you remember that? Cin- kin- kinema, I think it's called. Kino. In kino. Bioscope, as they call them. Um, w- would you go back? Oh, yes, definitely. Are there going to be any open? Well, I assume they will be, and no one else will go. That's my theory. So I'll just have a big airy room to myself. Oh, no, I, d- I don't agree with you. I think this V-shaped things i think people are going to do all those naughty things with alacrity i think they're going to go i think they're going to be going bowling i think they're going to be breathing over each other in restaurants i think they're going to be doubling up on it think about it you had a, a year of a bottle being shaken do you remember in um january 2020 when all the major film distributors were like shaking their fists at the sky saying how dare netflix films be considered for for Oscars, how dare this? This is outrageous! Blah blah blah. Now they're all like, "Oh, uh, Netflix, please <laughs> could you have our film? Uh, we'd like you to make it. Shall we show the movie?" We really just want anyone to watch it. It is. I think it's been quite healthy, though. Actually, there been. I think there were too many films being made. Full stop. It was such a dilution. I think we need to remember when. Um, what's his face? Christopher Batman. I can't remember his name. Released Tenet. Yeah. And he refused to have it stream. It had to be on at the cinema. He said, everyone, you must risk your life to watch my film. It's such a masterpiece. Yeah, uh, and primarily in film, actually. He got, so he got some 70 mil prints. Very good. I would have risked my life for a 70 mil print. Wouldn't you? Apparently, it's not that good of a film. Well, that's the problem, seen. yeah. Poor thing. Poor thing. Uh, he's the re- been the real victim of, of this last year. That's true. Why doesn't anyone think of the millionaire film directors do you think that uh michael jackson was a pedophile yes good because some there are people who bizarrely are still in denial about that there is a weird thing yes where some people's celebrity is of such a scale that so right for instance so oh we mentioned this before i remember we said what what would it take for example gary glitter's fine you can't have uh, my gang and all that but if paul mccartney or john lennon were found yeah. out to be a pedo that the beatles would still be fine by hook or by exactly and i think so he's in the same status i mean i'm sure that you know i bet you i haven't listened but i'm sure you know smooth fm whatever will still play billy jean so yesterday at the grammys bill burr the comedian yes who is famous for doing very rude routines yes did, said, oh my goodness, what are the feminists going to think about a cis white male presenting this award? And it was for exotic Latin or something. It was a really bizarre category anyway. And he just made some silly, he just sounded a bit like a doofus. Which he is. Um, yeah. It wasn't very funny. He's very, if you watch his stand-up, he's very funny. This wasn't a funny line. He just fe- he sounded a bit like a grumpy old idiot. Yeah. But that was like, he said this. That was it though. That was the sum total of it. There's demands for him to be cancelled now because of because he acknowledged himself to be a cis white male. So now he has to be cancelled. He's married to a black woman, but everyone is like, no, that doesn't stop him being a racist. He is racist. Um, I prefer he be killed. It was very, 
it was all very strange. But he, his career is over. Uh-huh. But um, Mike Tyson, uh, he's not a bit of a hero. Yeah, he raped a lady, but come on. Come on, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. What is that? It's fine. Why is Mike Tyson like ex- this acceptable hero it's in America? Fine. It's fine. It's fine. None of this is real. It's so, I find it so unpleasant. He did a rape and went to prison because he was guilty of it. Did you know that 25% of the US House of Representatives has refused to have a vaccine? Oh my lord. And and, and I would guess that 100% of them are Republicans. I imagine so. They don't want to be made gay by a a prick. Did you see... (laughs) Did you see Mitch McConnell saying that the stimulus package was the worst bill that ever he's ever seen in his career? I mean, it's a terrible, terrible bill. It's not the worst. I mean, he presided over the worst, so that's a bit silly. Do you mean the Patriot Act? Oh, no, that was primarily shepherded through by, uh, what was his name? Oh, Joe Biden. Yeah, he, he helped. <laughs> no, he was a great fan of the Patriot Act and or every other. I mean, what's extraordinary? I mean, I'm glad to see my predictions about Biden are proving to be true um he hasn't he hasn't had one press conference in 100 day well no for 60 days so far uh which is the uh, no other president in the history of the united states has has done that it's really good why is he why did he not do the state of the union what was the given reason just uh, nobody would ask nobody would talk about it's fine it's fine it's fine he's got he's busy he's busy Busy. <laughs> I mean, the man is. So, what's your off. theory? Is it your theory is that he's just so bonkers that he wouldn't be able? No, to well, I mean, he he can't. Uh, I've seen him try to even read um, from the uh, auto cue now, and he's finding that difficult. So, but no, he, he can't. It's not just that he just start pitching everyone's bottoms. And no, I don't. No, I don't think so. I, I don't think it's anything like that. I just think he mumbles, and he also he sounds really tired and incoherent, and I just think it would, wouldn't be good, and he wouldn't be able to have any handle on the brief if you were asked to extemporise. It's basically elder abuse at the moment, as, as it always was going to be. I mean, it, they're, they're doing exactly what we expected they would do. So, the, so for example, um, during the... Uh, when Nancy Pelosi... I don't know, it's been so long since recorded. When Nancy Pelosi was asked... They had to vote for Nancy Pelosi to be Speaker of the House again. And, of course, the Democrats are desperate that she be Speaker of the House. Um, and she's the highly corrupt, awful person uh, in any any way, shape, or form. Progressives hate her, and rightly so. So a comedian online, a leftist comedian, said, well, why don't we do something called force the vote? It, it, since she wants the vote, all the, the, the six or seven progressives in the House could withhold their vote, which would mean it would then be sent back again to the floor, and they'd have to keep retrying until they, they got consensus. So they said, why don't you force a vote and force, say, if you want your vote, our vote, Nancy, you have to bring Medicare for all to the floor yeah. to vote for. And even though that won't go through, at least we'll know who votes and who in the Democrats voted against it. And they can then be primaried and so on. It's good to get them on the record. And not one of these progressives was prepared to uh, to do that. Again, over the $15 minimum wage, which was supposed to be in the stimulus bill, um, Biden made it very clear he didn't actually want it. So they used some functionary called the parliamentarian who said, oh, for technicalities, maybe you shouldn't have it in this bill. And rather than do what every other time they've done and say, screw that, they said, oh, okay, then. So, you know, this is, I was, I, oh, I was, John, you're so... going to have to talk about yourself. Somebody's at the door. Talk about yourself for a minute. I'll tell the listener how disappointed I was okay. with John Oliver. Go on. I hate him. So Well, good. go away then. I, I can't talk to myself if you just stay here. John Oliver doing his bit about 
um, why the stimulus package was good and then just brushing over the bit. Oh, yeah, they didn't put the $15 million minimum. That's not okay. That's not good enough. You don't you don't spend. Yes, you had a horrible four years of Trump, but you now need to actually criticize the horrible things the current people are doing. Otherwise, you're worthless. I hope Nick's got someone good at the door. I bet it's the Amazons. It was it the Amazon loose leaf tea. It wasn't from Amazon. Was it from from the tea people loose... themselves? Because I try not to go through Amazon because they're the most evil company in the world. They are very evil, but I am very lazy with that. Summarize in one sentence why John Oliver is disappointed you because you used to love him, you used to felt him even. I, I just to told the listeners all about this. They don't want to hear it again. Well, you tell tell it in a slightly different way that would still entertain the listener whilst imparting information onto me. Well, I have so many reasons I dislike John Oliver. Um, you used to love him. I used to hate him and think he was banal, and you used to defend him. I'm sorry. I used to like him on The Bugle, because Andy Zaltzman was so awful, but I liked John Oliver on it. I think maybe that's what you're I hate them about. both. Um, the, 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 the thing on the HBO show, The Last Week Tonight, um, is often quite good, but I find his... Um, there's not so many things he does that drive me crazy. I've talked before in the podcast about how he says it's true after someone says something like they need. I hate his accent. I hate his it. voice. I hate his intonation. I hate his politics. I hate his comedy. I hate his lazy takes on things. And otherwise, he's well, okay. as I just told the listener, I was very frustrated by he. They were doing a bit about the stimulus package, and he was saying how many great things are in there. But he began it by saying, "Yeah, yeah, they didn't get fifteen dollar minimum wage." But 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 no, hang on a second, wind back. If Trump had not had vetoed that as stupid and as cruelly you would have had 10 minutes material on it exactly and also and it's like you have to hold power power to account not just power whose politics you disagree with to also account. also actually if you look at the stimulus it wasn't that good at all uh what remember at the at the uh georgia uh, election joe biden and everybody else who and, and the candidates there's this online um compilation of them saying it and it goes on for about four minutes just the compilation they said, we will give you $2,000 stimulus check yeah. the moment that we win Georgia and therefore... Uh, oh, he did that too. He said, he said, he said yeah, it's not the fit of a $50 million wage. No, it's not $2,000. But blah, blah, blah. But who cares? Because look how amazing it is. So, so, so they said $2,000 check every single time. That was the phrase they yeah. used. And there was a billboard with it. And Joe Biden himself said it. And the candidates said it. And they said immediately. Because they, of course, and they could have done it immediately because they immediately then had the uh, majorities in both houses. Uh, so he could have done it through a proclamation or anything, but he didn't. He could have done it through executive order. Uh, in the moment that they won, it became, we will give you an additional $1,400 to make up for the $600 we've already given you. Suddenly, out of nowhere. Then suddenly it was, oh, and we're going to means test it a lot more. Oh, and we're not going to, so that means people who got the $600 weren't going to get the extra $1,400 because the means testing was much more mean than it had been under Trump. In other words, fewer people got this check, they got checks under Trump. Then it wasn't immediate at all. They faffed and played around and so on. And there was wonderful, there was a uh, CNN were interviewing, and it was an ice fisherman in Minnesota, actually. And, you know, they said, interesting, I've been watching what, Joe's been doing since he's come, and he seems to have been able to uh, bomb Syria very quickly. Those bombs are mighty expensive for somebody who owes me two thousand dollars. <laughs> and 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 it's and it's and it's very true. They they were expending so much capital to get Nina Tandon in, who is the near sorry, near Tandon in, who is this 
she calls herself Center for American Progress, but actually she's one of those very corrupt right-wing Democrats that's pretending to be progressive but isn't actually, and has cozied up to the worst military-industrial interests, been very nasty about people online, attacked Bernie Sanders and all sorts. You know, the awful, awful corrupt person, and they have been desperate to get her on a, in, a, in a plum position, and they said they bust a gut to do it. Didn't bust a gut to get the $15, didn't bust a gut to get the $2,000, and what they allowed to happen was there's this one guy called Joe Manchin and, and a woman called Kirsten Cinema, who are both uh, kind of right-wing Democrats, who are very useful to the Democratic Party because they can be the boogeyman that can allow them to have to, quote, negotiating down those things. Oh, if only we could have done that. And somebody made a good point, said, look, this is not coming out of Joe Biden's back pocket. It's not, they're they're not all going to having to throw money into a charity dish. Why are they so keen not to give people proper support in America? Why were they so keen not to have the equivalent of the furlough scheme here? Why are they so keen for people to go medically bankrupt and so forth? And it's not enough just to say, oh, it's because um, there are deficit hawks or whatever, because of course, money, they they always find money to spend on military expenditure and so on, trillions every year. There's no problem. There's no no debate about that. Why is it that any time somebody, the little person needs support, that's when they make the fuss? And I never understood this because, of course, it's very politically popular. You know, those $2,000 checks, the promise of it is what made them win Georgia. The $15 minimum wage has something like a 70 or 80% approval. They're the most popular policies in the world. People who brought these things in, if somebody brought in Medicare for all, that that party would be in power for the next generation. So what me and so it's not enough just to say that it's just some contingent little worry about something. It's not even enough to say there's one particular lobby group that's whatever. Somebody came up with a theory and said, look, what's happened is this, if you look at what happened in uh, after uh, the, the very, very bad response that Obama had to the 2008 recession, um, he didn't stimulate, he didn't send stimulus where it needed to be, the little people weren't bailed out. Look at the millions of people who lost their houses. But more interestingly than that, look at the thousands of landlords that then weren't paid rent that then had to foreclose and their houses were and properties were repossessed by financial interests. And the same thing's going to happen again now. And I thought, and somebody made the point, said, this is, uh, people actually talk about this in high finance circles uh, as uh, in the same way that they talk about any other investment. They effectively say, it, it, it's great. If Let's say you're a, you're a banker. Can you give somebody a mortgage? Let, let's pretend that a house actually costs 100 quid, just to make the maths easier. Okay. So you give a mortgage for 100 quid. And let's say that, uh, again, to make the maths easier, let's say that the mortgage lasts for a week. So you you, you say, the ha- here's I'm going to lend you 100 pounds, and you can buy the house 100 pounds. By Wednesday, the house is worth 150 pounds. Okay? Okay. Um, and let's say that the person's paid back 50 quid so far. So they owe the bank 50 quid. And they can't, if they're put in a position where they have, they can't pay back the other 50 quid, the bank then takes the house and has 50 quid deficit. But guess what? By Wednesday, if the house is worth 200 quid, they get to, they get, they, they, they've, they've then made 50 quid already. They lose 50 quid. So they've made 150 quid on the deal. And 
that means that apparently that sort of big corporate consolidation of spinning assets like that is not is is a very 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 exciting thing to a group of people and a group of financiers and that's what a lot of this is about and that's what makes sense of okay of course you don't want to be bailing people out because that's actually not very profitable. If you get people just to tick on their mortgages, to be able to pay their rent, to be able to do this, to keep on top of that debt and so on, then these bonanza opportunities to gain assets very cheaply and then have another bite of the same cherry are lost. And, and at least that made sense to me then. At least no surely I understand those assets it. Are, surely those assets are only of any worth if there's someone able to buy them, though. Ah, but as long as you have a big enough um, elite class that's still in circulation, that's fine. Right. Uh, I see. As long as the 1% remains viable, that's all right. And I think that's their only risk. If if you get to the stage where you're in such Mad Max territory that even the 1% can't have a cycling economy or they can't live because they're basically, there's no infrastructure, there's nothing. But then again, you look at people, you look at a place like Brazil, which has got unbelievable favelas and poverty and has had for decades. And, but also has some of the richest people in the world living in gated communities. It does seem that you can keep that juggling act and that massive um, disparity in play for much longer than I'd initially thought, and much longer than people like Marx thought, obviously. And, and obviously people like Biden and so forth um, are helping to keep that in play as well, because of course what they do uh, is very interesting. The uh, Jen Psaki, the world's worst uh, press secretary, if you ever watch her, she, oh, she's absolutely awful. And they were asking a particular question about potential corruption in the military. And her answer to this question was to ignore the substantive of question and to say how wonderful it was that they had uh, a person of colour and three women appointed for the first time to these positions in the military executive. That was her answer to that question. Yeah. Uh, I don't need to labor the point being made there. It's quite obvious what, you know, there's virtual, there's virtue signaling and then there's virtue shielding. And that's clearly what that is. But also this obsession with gender identity and race identity. I'm absolutely certain, again, it's a divide and conquer thing. The one thing that the uh, ruling classes don't want is class identity. That's where it becomes dangerous. If a, uh, and I, it was very interesting. I was listening to a podcast with um, a uh, an old black woman who'd been an activist in like the sixties or seventies in Nevada, and the the governor or something there had done some regressive tax or had done something bad that affected a lot of workers, and mm-hmm. she went to a Klansman and said, "You don't have to like me. I don't have to like you, but this is going to." Uh, screw both our the poor people in our communities where let's get together again and fight this and they did and they won and i think those are the sorts of lessons that the current ruling elite want to make sure are never learned hence that's interesting hence be obsessed with the color and be obsessed with this and that and the other and you've got to be worried because you think divide and conquer i mean i know mark said you know the whole notion of being obsessed with race uh, and ethnicity and culture it's a very kind of divide and conquer uh, bourgeois thing because it means you stop seeing the economic inequalities that underlie all this and you think that just by adjusting the pantone chart correctly everything will be fine and i think it's a very clever tactic it seems to be working very well but i wonder at what point people nevertheless gain class conscious consciousness 
even with all these attempts at breaking them. That's what I'm interested in seeing. So I guess we'll see soon enough if America turns into Brazil um, or indeed if Scotland does. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, Scotland f- feels a different place to the way I thought it would feel five, ten years ago now. I think it, it could go in some very odd directions, let's say. We'll, we'll see what happens. Well, my bladder's going to erupt if I don't stop recording now. Stop recording now, then. Um, on that upbeat, happy note. Say goodbye to Graham. Uh, bye, Graham. Thanks for being alive for as long as you managed. Thank, thank you, Graham. It, it was good. And I think you had um, more interesting things to do with your life than many people who live three times as long as you did. So thanks for that, at least. Yeah. And we'll be joining you relatively soon, wherever you are. <laughs> bye. That's nice. Bye.